Hello there and welcome to Racehorse Movies, the show where two film fans take a racing sheet from last week, pick a random horse name for each other and from that name pitch a movie. In the pitch, to flesh out our movie ideas, we may include such things as stars, directors, composers, best boys and stable boys. Maybe not that last one. Hoping none of our ideas have to be put behind a screen and shot. The sky's the limit, the horses are on the starting line, the jockeys are frothing. It's time for Racehorse Movies. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Racehorse Movies with myself, Graham Thomas, and my very wonderful, very beautiful, very lovely friend, Mr. Luke Sell. Hello there, everyone. I hope you're all splendid. Hello, Graham. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I think we've got a pretty good episode lined up for us. It's a special one, this one, because we've done something a little bit different, and uh, I'm quite excited about this twist to the format. I think we decided to do something a little bit different because it was uh, the Grand National. And also because it's episode six, so it's kind, kind of... Kind of the midway like, point, isn't it? Yeah, uh, Like a midway point. Mm-hmm. If we're going to do 12 episode seasons, which we think we might, um, it's kind of like the midway point. So it's a good idea to shake things up, see what falls out of the podcast tree. So how it's different um, is that we decided to do the same horse each, going head to head. So we have the same horse, but we've given each other a genre. To, to play around in. So we're pitching films from set certain set genres. The horse we chose was... That was called a mortal. Yes. And what genres are we going to be pitching from? Well, I gave you, um, I'm going to admit that uh, first out of the gate, I gave you the uh, gangster genre, I believe, wasn't it? You did. And I gave you superhero. Originally, I gave you comic book, but we thought that it might be a bit too broad. Yes. Yes, indeed. So we went, well, I went for superhero. Absolutely, you did. So before we dive into all the horses, uh, how have you been, man? What's been going on? I've been very well, man. I've been uh, digging into a fair bit of live music recently, which mm. has been really lovely, man, because uh, that is something I've neglected uh, of late. So I went to see uh, The Flaming Lips and Elliot Brood, um, two <laughs> wildly different performances, uh, and both absolutely fantastic in their own right. Uh, the Flaming Lips, obviously, was a giant psychedelic journey into lasers, big balls, uh, and <coughs> confetti, as one would expect, and it was quite mm-hmm. something. Uh, and Elliot Brood, who are a band that you and I have seen before quite a few times, actually. Yes. Uh, who are a fantastic Canadian three-piece, um, who I guess... I fall into sort of the bluegrass country. Uh, what was it? Doom, yeah. doom country. Have death, they been to death? Death country, <laughs> like death, death folk, folk or something. Yeah, death folk. <laughs> something I like think that. whatever I that means. Know. I have no idea. But they're very stompy, hand clappy, holler along, holler banjos. along. Really good. Uh, Always in a tiny venue. They're great. Like I, I love uh, any any uh, any artist who whoops midway through a song because they're just so mm. excited to be singing yeah. the song and there's lots of that, you know, and you want to whip along with them. They're, they're absolutely incredible to see live. It's been fantastic. Also, um, to go alongside our uh, Loving Jukebox playlist uh, that should be up on our Spotify account, we are, we're also going to chuck out an Elliot Brood sort of best of, in our humble opinion, for you guys to listen to so you can get a bit of a taste of what we've been up to uh, in your ears as well as us uh, shoving things into your mind cinema as well. So, yeah, it's been a lot of uh, listening to live music and that does me the world of kids. So, yeah, I've been very well, man. What the devil have you been up to? Enough about me and my uh, my listening habits. Uh, movie-wise, I went and did my annual screening at the Prince Charles Cinema of Magnolia. Oh, my beautiful. My favourite Absolutely movie. beautiful. 
And 35 millimeter, I haven't, I try to see it every year. They usually screen it every year. And every time it comes along, I go along because it's such a masterpiece of cinema. I love every element of it. Everyone's firing on all their cylinders, the writing, the directing, the performances, the music, the cinematography, the editing. Uh, it's just bravura, front to back. It's just bravura performances, all marshaled by Paul Thomas Anderson's crazy, mad mind. And it's one of those beautiful films no spoilers if you haven't seen it, but there's <laughs> lots of moments in that movie where the director or the storyteller, whoever's making this piece of art, they go one way and you can either go along with them and have the time of your life or you're just going to check out and just think <laughs> this is terrible. What the hell is going on? Which is valid. It's a valid point sometimes that things swing one way and it just doesn't work. But some of the choices in this film are so bold and so outrageous that, you just go along with it and you have the ride of your life. I absolutely adore that movie. And for very, very personal reasons as well. It has a, a deep sentimental bond with me. All right. Well, that's what we've been doing. That's what we've been watching. That's what we've been listening to. So I think that covers that. And I reckon it's probably about pitching. time to get pitching. Mortal versus mortal. Superhero versus gangster. Head on. Movie double bill, same time, same place, showdown. Just do it. <laughs> so, Graham, if I may, I am going to have a go at pitching you a superhero film. I will be taking you into the depths of outer space possibly into an entirely different galaxy. I'm going to introduce you to uh, the planet Clantor 5, uh, not to be confused with Clantor 1, 2, 3, or indeed 4, which I think we can all agree were far, far less uh, interesting planets. But not as good as Clantor 6. Clantor 6 is absolutely banging, uh, and no right. one can take that away from them. That's the sequel. But yeah, we'll get to <laughs> that in good time, and the post credits is just like a little sort of tour of, Pla of Clantor 6 and all of its amenities. Clantor nice. uh, 5. So yeah, bang. In space, big old planet, Clantor 5. We, we fly down through the planet's atmosphere, something like that. Uh, we're under the light of a dim, dim sum. <laughs> we're not under the light of dim sum. <laughs> delicious. That delicious light, man. It's so... Oh, I just sunbathe in it. Oh. <laughs> so we're under the, the light of a dim sum. <laughs> and we're eating dim sum. Um, I think if you asked either of our fathers, I think they probably would have said they sighed a couple of dim sums. To dim sum. <laughs> So we, we fly down through uh, Clantor 5's uh, delicious atmosphere <laughs> and we're under the light of a dim sun. Uh, and yeah. not just because it's evening. Uh, the planet looks kind of used up, pan up to mm. this sort of great hall, this great part of civilization amongst the sort of decay. And inside this enormous room, there are two guys who are uh, two guys. These are clearly two... Uh, to well-respected uh, leaders uh, of, of this community, of this, of this planet that we have just entered. Uh, so they're all robed and in fineries and all that kind of a thing, and they're really big and echoey. It's got that kind of duty <laughs> kind of a feel to it, man. One of the guys um, debating in front of this huge crowd, clearly the inhabitants are out there to witness this great discussion. I will not allow, allow the life of this planet to be restored at the expense of another. It cannot be like this, brother. So, you asked me for a miracle? <laughs> <laughs> You've gone Ralph Fiennes and uh, Clash of the Titans. I have to. Oh, His Grimsby impression is too good, man. Either that or Baron von Greenback from Dangerous. Yeah, Dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so you asked me for a miracle, and when I build it for you, 
you complain that it's too miraculous? And then, while this this debate is going on, we uh, (laughs) intercut uh, this great debate that's happening uh, with two boys. Uh, One, Tylan Rain, uh, wakes the other, Cref Mortal. And he says, Cref, 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 tonight my father will show his great ship. It is very powerful and we will be very happy. My father says it will save us all. And sort of, you know, Kref's all like, okay, well, that sounds pretty badass, uh, Tylan. Let's go, man. <laughs> so these two guys, they're sort of like going through, the two kids, they're going through like a bit of a prison break. They're going to this grand hall where there's massive debate where most of the planet has turned out to witness this man. It's drawing them as well, especially because Tylan's father has built this incredible machine by the sounds of it. I think like by the sounds of it, as if I'm not sure what's happening. Yeah, uh, I think <laughs> like Apparently. Apparently. Um, so we're intercutting the, uh, so we... We go back from the kids, they've just woken up, they snuck out, and then back to, with my creation, I can take the power of worlds and bring them back to make the heart of our planet beat once again. And you insist temperance? No, you fool, we must feast. And then back to Kref and Tyler, and then Kref says, my daddy says it could eat us all up. He's like a bit reluctant to go and see this great creation. Mm. And then fool, we're back to the grand hall, Mm -hmm. and the, the clear leader is sending everyone out and commands the other men to their quarters. And so the, the, the hall itself starts to, uh, to dissipate. Um, and then we get some, like, we whack in some exposition, like this guy has created a ship that will go and harness power from other worlds, other, right. other objects in space, whatever they may mm. be. It, it has the power to absorb their power, and it can bring that back and fire it into the heart of their dying world. So the children, now we see the quiet great hall that has just been evacuated, and then we see the, uh, a little slip of light open as a door opens and Kref and Tylan sneak through and Jess then being on board starts to set off the ship it starts to activate it it thinks that it's time to start carrying out the mission that it was designed for and so the two men we cut back to the two men arguing and they get an alert that something is happening with the ship and it starts to fire up the kids are terrified the doors close behind them they have no idea what's going on now it starts to rise above the atmosphere of the planet. And then we cut to an outside of the ship, sort of in, in context of the planet, and we just see this uh, sort of almost lightning rod come out of the bottom of the ship and begin to activate, and then a massive ball of energy, and it cuts sort of like half of the planet almost. In its, uh, It takes half of the planet right, yeah, inside yeah. its ball. And we cut back down to the two men, and we see everything starting to shut off, all of the lights, everything in the facility, the Grand Hall goes dark, wound down, and then wham, the ship's off. It's gone and there's nothing there. They can't even monitor where it's been. They're gone. The kids hurl forward. Energy is sparking around the ship. We've got like 80s rotoscoped kind of electric, (laughs) that kind of blue electric, Terminator arrival electric. I want all over the shop. Then we cut to the moon and we cut to Neil Armstrong and we cut to 1969 and we cut to... Us yes. and what's happening there, and he's just about to do his really cool like speech about men and mankind and steps and all steps that kind of stuff, kind of stuff you know. Uh, he's just mm-hmm. about to set foot, and we get a nice little shot of the boot coming down, coming down, about to hit the moon surface, and then just through the gap between the boot and the moon surface in the background, we see something plummet down into the moon, <laughs> and wham! This extraordinary explosion of dust and Amazing. the shuttle shaking, Neil 
even Neil is shaking. Even Mr. <laughs> even Neil. Yeah, even Mr. Armstrong, the man who was One flat by Neil. What the fuck is that? Pause, pause. Let me in. Let me in. Let me in. <laughs> so he he's he, he's he's hanging on to the side of the craft of the lunar module, and he, he's he's for almost for dear life, and it's shaking around. It's being buffeted by this incredible force, and he looks and he sees this child walking through the the vapors, and he can hardly believe his eyes, and he gets straight back on the ship because Neil is <laughs> he's fine with dealing with a ship that doesn't work, but he yeah. can't, he's not uh, he's not prepared for any of this kind of stuff. I man. want to see when Neil Armstrong absolutely loses his right. But let's like, let's so like but Neil Armstrong. Like 43 years of pent-up, like, manliness just (laughs) evaporated in this big, weeping, uh, snotty, like, Blair Witch-style bogeys kind of a thing going on, man. Buzz and the other dude are, like, taping him to the chair. He's like, Get out of here! <laughs> not me, not like this. Yeah, dude. Oh, right, okay, a quick casting. We are casting Nervous Guy from Seven. Uh, Leyland Orsa, yes. I think his name is. He is going to play <laughs> Neil Armstrong, man. That is 100% locked in. And so, but he is, he's having this because um, he gets in the module. They're like, let's get, we've got to get out of here. Let's, we've got to lift yeah. off immediately. Like sure Houston, all bets are off. Something is happening here. But the kids sort of walks up and it grabs onto the outside of the shuttle. Amazing. And it, you've just got Neil Armstrong face to face with the kid, and <laughs> they go, and he's, he's losing, completely weeping, bogey still. Uh, the kid's implacable. The kid doesn't look like it knows what is going on, man. And it's just holding off on they to go. The ship. Yeah, and and the kid remains Amazing. there and holds on for the entire journey back home, despite any kind of reentry, despite anything like that. General Dukes uh, from the mm-hmm. United States military, uh, and he sees this kid just straight out of the bat as a gift from God. So immediately the kid is taken in. Obviously the military are just running tests, exams, all of that kind of stuff. He can't be easily examined. Needles don't get through, x-rays don't get through. We see a succession of machines they hook him up to being shorted out, needles going off the scale. Dukes is like, well, uh, how do we extract his power then? How do we use it? If he's not going to, there's no communication, we can't communicate with the kid, how do we use it? So they get Courtney Corners in. Um, who's like the leading Pentagon child psychologist or something like that, man. Uh, and she is the first to go in without a hazmat suit. She's the first to go in and just sit uh, and right. exist with the kid and start to try and connect with the kid. And she starts to make some headway. She's very good and she's very tender and she's very kind. Yes. And Can I make a suggestion? Absolutely. To bring in a bit of humanity, maybe, um, is it Courtney Connors? Courtney Corners. Courtney Corners. Uh, maybe she's like... Uh, a high school teacher, um, but she used to be, she's got a doctorate and a PhD and she wrote some kind of um, thesis that was like got kicked out of Stanford or something like that about how to communicate with alien life or something like that. She she was ridiculed, but they realised actually we might need her. So you would get the, by bringing her in, you'd get a contrast to the military because everyone around him is military. So someone from real the real world, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Amer- yeah. Americana high school teacher gets whisked away. She's doing the class at school, like teaching them elementary maths or something. And then the kids all look out the window and by the school bus, they see a load of like military trucks. The yeah, generals all march up and they frog march Courtney out. And she's got, she's got obviously brains and knowledge and access and intelligence that was oft ridiculed. Like it, it was too advanced or 
she comes in, she sews some, she starts to get some headway with the kid. She's like, look, to get him doing anything more than whimpering in a corner and frying anyone who enters, I'm going to have to take him away from you mean little boys and your horrible toys for good. So we start to see him being moulded into a less feral, less afraid boy. Uh, Courtney works with him to try and harness and understand the powers that are flying out at him at random when they're first speaking. So we get some nice montages and things like that of of the child starting to be a child, most importantly, and just seeing him interact with happiness with Courtney and things like that. And then we also start to see some of his powers coming through, like the ability to shoot, focus the energy that is within him Mm -hmm. that has been imparted because of the technology of a ship he arrived in the moon at, to start to see him using some of that. And then he is launched uh, to America as Kid Boom. Um, <laughs> that is a name. Everyone knows yeah, this yeah. happened. This was being televised when he arrived with that boom. So they're like, right, well, we're Kid owning boom. this man. I can imagine the uh, the branding being like, is it the boy from Fallout? Oh, yes, with the, with the with Tintin Quiff, that, that almost. Of, with that's a Tintin Quiff, that kind of perfect. artwork. Yes, man. Know? Yes, absolutely. Or they might get Hanna Barbera Studios to make a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the soft lord of Kid Boom. Who's hey there, folks. What can I do to help you today? You know, that kind of. Hey, yeah, garlic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he is all like, uh, he's American apple pie kind of a thing. And lovely. He's been introduced now. Uh, we know there's that tension between Courtney and uh, the general. Um, but we start to get to see Kid Boom doing some Kid Boom stuff out and about in the world, like a big old set piece at Yellowstone or something like that there's a big eruption yeah, he, uh, yeah. he goes and just saves loads of like happy campers from and he's you know like and he's up oh and don't forget folks yeah. watch out for bears now we're going to jump cut to a fully grown older kid boom so he's got mm-hmm. that same fallout style logo on his chest it's a bit more stretched because <laughs> he's got a little bit bigger <laughs> now we're going to get to see kid boom do some of his older kid boom sort of heroic stuff um and he's going to get called planes are going to start dropping out of the sky um there's some kind of interference from the sun or something like that kind of like solar right. flares something really bad that is absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. with the electromagnetic sort of field of the earth and planes are in trouble <laughs> so we get this really kinetic big action set piece where kid boom is racing to try and save as many or all of these planes as he can man he's zipping around everywhere and he is taken back to courtney and the team uh so they go back for a debrief and like the team are like well uh i don't know it's something coming from the moon so bang right back to the moon so they get up there and they go to the source of this interference, and that is, of course, where the ship crashed. And they find Tylen Rain there, who has survived in the remnants of the ship um, that they crashed in. He has turned it into this sprawling sort of construction of salvage space wreckage, old satellites. And he's just been there, and we sort of see certain monitors are clicking to life. There's radio signals playing in all kinds of languages coming from all different countries. It's just this force of information that uh, Thailand's managed to sort of tune into with his strange construction of this uh, sort of base that he's managed to make on the moon for the last like 30 years or however long it's been. He's clearly absolutely out of his mind, by the way, because all he's had is all of this context-free information that he's been been absorbing. How does he get the um, the debris? Maybe he's got some kind of 
similar but different power to Kid Boom. Like he can drag out of the sky, like force pull. Yeah. But not like planets or nothing too powerful. It's just like satellites that come within range. Well, that's it. And it was at first, that was exactly it. So he, as when it was just relying on his powers, that's what he could use to sort of bring things in and start to build like uh, his home of sorts. Sounds like a villain. He's a villain. He's a big old like mechy, mechy, nasty little looking villain. And he turns as they... <laughs> How long have waited here on this desert of grace? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How long, Cref? And he looks and he's Cref Mortal. <laughs> you have grown old, but there is still power in you. And he just hits him with this blast straight out. There's no hellos like I've missed you nice. or anything like that. Bang. Hits him with a laser blast, drops drops Kid Boom to his knees. And as like he's struggling against the weight of this power, we start to see his hair graying and moving out from the temples. And we start to see sort of wrinkles appear where there weren't before. And he's slowly getting crushed under the weight of this beam. And he falls over to one side unconscious. Duke's man, he don't phase him. He's like, if you want power, that is absolutely fine. I got all the power you can eat, man. Just join me and we can we can get you back. We can hook you up. So then they bring Tylen back, man. He's immediately re-band, rebranded as uh, Papa Quip because of all of it. Papa, Papa Quip. Quip. Because he cannot stop unleashing sort of the snippets from all of the radio broadcasts. He's been absorbing on the moon oh, kind gotcha. of thing. Nice. Okay. So the one-liner king, he starts, we start to see him uh, doing good and start to be used mm. in wars and things like that. And he's running around like, like beans means Heinz, and then zapping an entire <laughs> platoon of people or whatever it is, man. Yes. Um, and yeah. like sort of... That'd be amazing. Like Dr. Manhattan, but only Like with, with random... Yeah, like, and, or like he'll just yeah, be yeah. like sort of, it'll be sort of parts of news reportage that he's, he's heard while he's been up there that he's just calmly saying as he yeah. annihilates like this you know these these thousands of people kind of a thing at once so we now need to like get kid boom back to life uh, or get him invigorated somehow and take out daddy quip man now i was thinking yeah. like because uh, the general has obviously dukes he has mentioned plugging uh, kid boom into the grid they've got some kind of way of yeah. taking the power from these people and using it to power other things so like they they can take power so we need to find a way of like getting kid boom um and papa quip into the arena where this technology can be used against papa quip to entirely sap all of his power um and leave him okay. uh, mortal man because that's that's because that's where we are at the moment man uh, so this is a so you need a final, it's the final fight, fight kind of a thing using like and a way of like sapping his energy and preferably if we can have uh Kref Mortal sacrifice himself, completely sacrifice his powers for good, which will be heartbreaking for him yes. because he genuinely loves to help people out. But if we can find a way of doing that, man, that would be preferable. Oh, I've had an idea. Yep. Just rolling back when they're on the moon. Yeah. And Kid Boone's been taken out and um, Dukes is there and he's like, what do you want? Thailand, like, he points to the earth. He's like, I want that. I want power. And Dukes is like, I can give you that but do you know what real power is? You've had it all along. And he points to the TV screens and he's like, information, he's like, the power of the United States, the power we have over the world, you and me in the United States, we could run over, we'd have all yeah, of yeah. it. So he's kind of propagandizes him into being this, this weapon. So that gets him on earth, that gets him to join in with Dukes. So when they have their final confrontation, it needs to be 
maybe not in a nuclear power plant or something, but some kind of place that can transmit TV signals or it can be a place that, do you know what I mean? Like somewhere that connects with both senses of power, the literal power of electricity or whatever it is, but also the power of information and propaganda. So somewhere like that where they can kind of have a final fight. And that would be underneath, uh, I'm kind of imagining now, it's underneath a giant sort of radar array or something like that, because that would be a wonderful setting to, uh, and Lightning will be firing off it as they're sort of like fighting with each other and things like that. Maybe at the beginning, before they even found the guy in the moon, when they found Kid Boom, before they decided they wanted to turn turn him into a weapon, that didn't quite work. So they said, okay, we're going to plug him into the grid and we've been building this thing that it was, there's enough power to transmit our messages and light and like power an entire city. We could reach every single home on the planet. We can override every network. We can override every satellite dish. The entire world will have our message. Nice. And that this is like the secret kind of uh, TV broadcasting stuff. And that's where they go to for the final yeah. fight. Yeah, yeah, okay. So that's where that happens. And then we will have, uh, yeah, as I say, Kid Boom will need to either pull or drag or get uh, himself and uh, Papa Quip into, I think, the middle of the facility that saps their powers, mm-hmm. both of their powers, and leaves them. Because that would mirror where they were at the beginning of the film on the in the planet, this kind of energy core room or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. And then they uh, both emerge mortal. Um, and there we go. That's kind of, that's kind of the end. Uh, stripped of his powers, get, he has does, to give up. They both... Re- and... Kid Boom goes back to being a mortal Kid Boom or he goes back to working or... He is just a mortal at this point. So he has been stripped of all his powers. He's just okay. sort of with Courtney and, and the Tylen. team. Uh, Tylen, ditto. Um, he will go back with Dukes. Like Dukes will take him sort of, I guess, maybe he'll sort of like take him back. Um, I think he should stay with Kylan. Like, Do you think you they were, can rebond? You, you were manipulated. Let me show you. You didn't know that's not real power. This is real power. Friendship is real power. <laughs> Skipping through meadows is real power, damn it. Real power, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I think what Thailand has been manipulated. He's been up there on the moon for so long. He's not evil. He's just been manipulated and, and sucking it and so confused. He didn't have Courtney Connors to help him get through why he's there, what's going on. He's a victim just as much as Kid Boom is. Yeah, and and like... I'm such a hippie. Dukes needs some comeuppance. He does, doesn't he, man? I think Dukes will try to plug himself into the power to get the power uh, himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like yes. the, the stupid... Like, he looks at it and he's like, yeah, uh, kind of like, um, you know, uh, the end of uh, The Last Crusade or something like that, drinking from the cup. It's that kind of a deal, man. So that is what happens to him. That's beautiful. This is my moment. Yeah, and he's just like, thrusts his fist forward into it and then... Rah! Like this. And then absolutely, yeah, evaporated, man. Um, and that that will be it. Then the credits will roll um, and yep. music will swell and we'll weep because of the reconciliation between mm-hmm. two childhood friends and Courtney's still alive. Mm-hmm. It's marvellous. <laughs> and then obviously we'll have to have a slight post-credits sequence because it's a superhero movie. So we cut back to the Great Hall um, and we see where it was dark previously, monitors starting to flash to life and all of that kind of thing. Mm. And then we see Kylan Rain's father crouched over 
uh, one particular control panel as the image on that control panel charts the erratic and crazy journey the ship took. Yeah, it's been bouncing around all Absolutely, over the universe. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah, and, and, and we saw just snatches of this as the kids were being bounded from side yeah. to side and getting that power infused into them um, in the first place. And then we zoom in and in and in and the journey finally stops on Earth. My son! <laughs> I'll get you next time, Garrett! <laughs> yeah, there we go. And uh, Rain and probably his entire Dark contingent will be coming to uh, to uh, settle some scores with Earth in, in Mortal 2. Yes. Awesome, dude. I loved that. That was really good. It had so much to it. There was um, some Spielbergian adventure. There was a bit of horror in there. There was... Um, I found a touch of kind of eighties you know, last starfighter kind of thing, but also a bit a touch of like the Jetsons. Yeah, yeah, and and like you say, you it's know, that, like that uh, Fallout imagery, that kind of cute yeah. American Pie that never was retro futurism, and then move as you can move through time, the, the hangovers from the Vietnam War and the distrust of governance and security systems. And the greed of the 80s as that's that starting to play out yeah. and, and Kid Boom is, becomes a complete anachronism in the face of uh, all of those things. Casting. Yeah, casting. How are we going to cast this? Well, when I first thought of Mortal, and Mortal went through a lot, as 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 uh, maybe the pitch uh, belies, uh, Mortal went through a lot of things <laughs> when it was in my head. Uh, I got about halfway through, I realised I'd uh, rewritten Captain Planet for no reason, uh, <laughs> which was slightly upsetting. Okay. Um, and at one point, I was sort of like the main thing that I wanted to see in Mortal was Arnold Schwarzenegger um as his is you know as he currently is aged his 75 year old Arnold Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. um dealing with um sort of the ravages of time I guess and not having the power oh, so he, he, he was in a previous inception it's been very hard for me to shake because I, I, I how can one just shake Arnie off uh, once he has uh, entered uh, an idea or whatever, man? So it was very much uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger focused for Kid Boom uh, for a lot of the time because mm-hmm. I just wanted to see him in that the costume stretched over his sort of pecs, <laughs> so, you know, all of that kind of a thing. But yeah, so I was tempted by Arnie, but then I don't feel that fits, if I'm honest. So then I was like, well, maybe Greg mm. Kinnear, because he can do a really good hangdog, and he's oh, got a lot he can, of yeah. he's got massive amounts of like innocence. He can portray massive amounts of innocence, as, as well as all the many other things that he's very good at doing. What about uh, Vince Vaughn? Ooh, okay, man. Yes. Yeah, I like that a hell of a lot, man. Yes, bloody hell. I'd love to see Vince Vaughn, like, rocking some spandex and stuff, man. For Kid Boom Young, how about Thomas Brody Sangster? I like his look a hell of a lot, actually. I think he'd be a very good... And we could easily have him... We could Kinnear Kinnear into him, Kinnear transition, you know, from him. Uh, Courtney, I would like, if I may please... uh, I would like to request Sigourney Weaver. Nice. Young and um, young version of Sigourney Weaver? I think we might start um, as Sigourney is now and we'll age up as we need to for the 20-year flash-forward kind of a thing. Yes, okay. Sigourney Weaver, wonderful. I was thinking it for a, I was thinking younger, um, so like Rachel Weiss or something. Right, oh, 100% Rachel Weiss is incredible. Uh, um, so, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Sigourney Weaver and or Rachel Weiss. Yep. What about 
for the villain? I have one and one only. Okay, well, I was thinking um, the serpentine uh, Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Welcome, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, like, he's, he's, he's full crazy. Magneto was a sympathetic mm. character. He's played that. We want, like, full bonkers Fassbender. Mm. Um, absolutely. And you'd just throw him some real meaty dialogue to children. For 40 rotations of the blue marble, <laughs> I have stood on this desert of greys. Inhaling both Wait. the dust and the nonsense from below. <laughs> um, and mm. also, like, uh, we're, we're going to, we'll, we'll, we'll be cutting that dialogue with the non sequiturs and the adverts and things like that. And he'll be delivering yeah, it all yeah, in yeah, that same menacing fashion, man. So, yeah, like, there we go. Fastbenders cast. Okay, Fastbenders. Directors. Directors. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't know. Mm, I know where we're going. I know. Yeah, where I, know, go. I know. I, we, want, I know. I know. I'm not going to mention uh, the person who <laughs> rhymes with back flyber. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's got to. Yeah. I don't think we because he'd do it, but well, it would be speak, awful. Everything uh, as be in awful. everything would be like all of the messages from Earth would be the worst messages, um, and Papa would end up being like the we're, heroic. We're talking about Zack Snyder. Yes, sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah. Forgive my 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 obtuse rhyming clues. And also, well, let's be fair. We should we should find the people that fit the, the material who would like have fun with it or do something with it and we can't be so exclusionary to directors who we feel have output that might offend us and our sensibilities yep. uh, mr snyder being one of them very yep. much so but i could see him working in this field it's got a lot of his hallmarks it's got pop, the pop culture, culture. yeah absolutely it's got the strange alien design planets you probably get russell crowe back to oh, dude. And, that, and, and that was the only reason that any of this started on that uh, uh <laughs> five was me thinking of russell <laughs> yeah. crowe on top of a mountain screaming for like his bulldog dragon that swooped underneath him and he jumped yes. on and flew to where he was going man that's one of the best things i've that ever is seen amazing, honestly that was the strongest open for such a bad movie, man. I was like, I was so yes. primed for like, yeah, give me all of this weirdness, please, Mr. Snyder. Oh, I tell you what, John Watts might be a good call. He did the Spider-Man trilogy, Tom Holland's Spider-Man trilogy. He's got, well, in that case, he'd be able to handle the lightness and the the like, empathy and stuff like that really nicely, man. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously the big set pieces. Yeah, John. I like John Watts a lot because I... Uh, like of, I know I think I might have whinged about Marvel's output, but they've been way more successful than loads of other stuff that I've watched of late, man. So, and oh, we might be able to get Kevin Bacon for Dukes from Copcar. Oh, of course he Copcar. did. Of course, Blimenek, man. That's a yes, really that cool is a really movie. good film. Flipping that, man. I, I sort of completely forgot that existed. Yeah, okay. And I also quite like Kevin Bacon as uh, yeah Dukes. That that works as too, Dukes. man. All right, we'll we'll take John Watts. That sounds perfect. Right, amazing. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening, everyone, and you, Graham. Well done. I loved it. I really liked it. That was really cool. I, I saw that in the Mind Cinema, and I had a Yeah, we have to do a bit of working on the fly there. I apologise, man. I was... Uh... No, no, I like it when we do that. Though. No, exactly. That's part That's you know? what this is. Flipping, that's what this is, yeah. in fact. What the hell am I uh, apologising for, for God's sake? And I'm glad that we both like it, because we're about to do a tonne more of it. Bring it on, man. Uh, I want to hear, if I may, I'm being very demanding suddenly. I've got above my station. Uh, apologies, mm. but... Nonetheless, I'm going to demand that I hear your pitch for Mortal uh, in the genre that is gangster film, if you wouldn't mind, Graham. In the gangster film genre. I would be delighted to strap yourself in. It's going to be a bumpy ride. So we start in the, in the 90s in LA. Nighttime. 
helicopter shot over the hills of LA to reveal the city and all the glittering lights below. Uh, as the titles are rolling, we have this helicopter shot over through LA down into uh, South Central, I guess. And it comes up to a small nightclub line of people outside waiting to get in, uh, cars pulling up, not necessarily like limos or anything like that, but nice enough cars, people coming in, getting in through the VIP line. We get to the backstage area where we meet Mace Mortal Mackie and his backstage crew. And there's his girlfriend and manager Tess, his best friend Tyrone and his brother Axe. And they're in the green room and it's an album launch party for Mortal. It's his debut album. And at this this club where they're going to launch it, it's like a big event. He's an upcoming rapper, like the, the great hope of the neighbourhood. And in the club, rap battles are going on on stage. People are having a good time. People are drinking. It's fun. There's a real buzz. And our backstage where Mortal is getting ready to do his performance. Yeah. Um, Tess, his, his girlfriend and manager, who's pregnant, um, they're talking privately about their dream, which is this album's going to be huge. And what we're going to do is we're going to set up our own studio and we're gonna, it's gonna be a legit enterprise. We're gonna set up the studio. We're gonna we're gonna help up and coming artists from the neighborhood and other surrounding neighborhoods, maybe to get them out of whatever, you know, things they might be into or might be exposed to in these kind of deprived areas. So can we have like a few people from the community maybe like in a backstage he's talking yeah. to, connecting with, we're yeah, setting exactly. some of that stuff That's up. Really nice people trying to set this stuff up, yep. make this dream happen. And a lot of it is riding on the re- release of this album. Um, and Tess is really happy with him. He said, you know, I found the perfect location for our studio. It's going to be amazing. This is going to be it, baby. We're, we're going to be on easy streets soon enough. And then um, by the door of the green room, there's um, a nefarious dude who's clearly like a gangster called Fitz and his crew. Hmm. And they're, they're trying to get into the green room to do a meet and greet um, because, you know, they're movers and shakers in the neighbourhood. They want to be seen next to this, you know, get their photograph taken next to this guy for a bit of kind of brand, their own personal brand, you know. So they're trying to get in, but and Mortal is, you know, he's cordial, but he doesn't really like being photographed with them. He doesn't want to be associated with them. He just wants to be legit. And it doesn't look good with the other council, like people who were there, the council workers who were there, who were trying to kind of talk to him about his legit business. Um, and Axe, the brother, like goes up to Fitz and really apologises because he kind of set up that meet and greet. And he's, I'm so sorry that... We couldn't get you in. Uh, I tried, I tried. My brother, when he's about to go on stage, you know, he's really focused on his thing. Yeah. I'm really sorry. He's kind of snivelly and really, he shows a lot more kind of fealty to Fitz than he really does kind of to, to mortal. He wants to, he likes, he's bought into this kind of lifestyle, this glamorous gangster lifestyle. The concert's really revving up and mortal's going to take on stage. Then we cut to outside and some unmarked police cars roll up, led by Jack Spinowski, who is a, He's a detective and he's there with his partner, Davies. And Davies reveals that inside the club, there's going to be a meetup and he's got an informant on the inside. And during this album launch, doesn't really matter, but there's going to be some gangs that are going to come together. There's going to be Fitz's gang and there's going to be another gang. And they're going to come together and they're going to, rumour has that they're going to have a, some kind of truce to amalgamate power and really start making moves. Right, The launch party... Is now in full swing. Mortal takes to the stage and the crowd goes wild. 
And, you know, in the crowd, shady deals are being done by Fitz and a rival gang leader called Pokey. They were kind of meeting and greeting and, and whatnot. Outside the club, Davy's pager goes. Um, the signal is good to go. And then but cut back inside the party. The best mate, Tyrone, behind the stage, hangs up the phone and slips out the back. Mortal's in the middle of his, his set. He's just ripping the place apart. It's going... Gangbusters. Amazing. Yeah. It's going gangbusters. And quite literally about to go gangbusters because <laughs> the, the cops bust in on the concert to try and break it all up. Mad panic. People on the stage don't know what's going on. And out of nowhere, like, a shootout starts. The Fitz and Pokies guys, don't, they hate the cops. They hate everyone else. They think it's a setup. And it just all kicks off. So you have this really tense, horrible shootout in a really crowded place. People, like, trampling over everybody else to get out. Yeah. It's really horrific. And and the cops really aren't acting like cops. Like, Jack Spinowski and his dudes are just, like, opening up on people. There's no real due process. It's absolute chaos. The brother, Axe, manages to get Fitz and Pokey out of there, out of the back. He kind of ushers them out, makes them safe. But he leaves Mortal and Tess in the middle of this chaos, right? The brother immediately aligns with the, <laughs> with the, gang, with the, with the gang bosses. Mortal and, Mortal and Tess are in the firefight and it spills out onto the street. Obviously, uh, Mortal isn't shooting anyone. He just wants to get out of there. He doesn't know what's really how it's come to this. Yeah. And he manages to get himself and Tess into a car. Davy, the partner, Jack's partner, gets shot. Um, Jack sees the shooting, sees the chaos, sees two people that are on the stage get into a car to drive off. And Jack immediately goes into a rageful pursuit because he thinks, you know, they're part of it. This It's all gone terribly wrong. Yeah. Okay. And we have a very kind of famous-looking highway chase, like Bronco-style LA 90s. You've got the police choppers going down the highway, this this high-speed chase, but you've also got 24-hour news crews flying in. So you've got everything's been documented. Everything's kicking off. We have this car chase in the rain, and eventually Mortal's car crashes, and the cop, um, Jack, pulls up, gets out his gun to kind of secure the car, like, get out of the car, get out of the car. The car's flipped on its side, and um, Jack sees... Tess in the car, she's pregnant and she's injured, and he switches kind of back into cop mode. Yeah, and you can see, yeah there's you a bit the of him left. There's a bit of good there's cop left, of left in there somewhere. You can hear the helicopters above. You can see, like, news crews, vans kind of coming in, and he realises the situation's fucked. So he kind of pulls Mortal out and, like, cuffs him to the car or something like that. But he secures Tess, and he gets around, he waits for the ambulance, and he looks after and he applies... Like, dresses um, a wound or two. Dresses like, a wound, yeah, applies yeah. medical attention, looks after the baby, does everything right. Obviously, the cameras are recording all this. And then he makes her secure and she gets taken away. The situation dies down and Jack starts looking around the car because he needs to find... Some of the reasons that he, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the reasons that he just belted after him. But he doesn't find anything in the car. All he finds in the glove box, which is going to be knocked open in the crash, is a stack of CDs of Mortal's album. Yeah, demo tapes, all He's of that kind of stuff. Right. So, so he, take, he just takes one out of not thinking, he just pockets it. Jack then, from there, Jack goes to where Davy has told him he was going to meet the informant after the bus. We were going to meet up under the bridge or wherever. So Jack goes to where Tyrone is, and obviously Tyrone's expecting to meet Davy. Davy's dead. Jack turns up and says, you know, my, what the fuck happened? My partner's dad gone. That was a shit show. And Tyrone says, yeah, my deal was Davy. He, he ran me. My deal was Davy, so I'm out. And Jack says, no, Davy's dead. You work for me now. 
Yeah. Makes Tyrone get back into the crew. He's like, no, you're just working for me. You're my... Eyes and ears, kid. You're my eyes yeah, and yeah. ears. You're my eyes and ears. And he wires him up and he sends him back. He says, you've got to get, you've got to get back in with whomever was putting this deal together to consolidate the, their power. You've got to get back in with them. I need it. So obviously Tyrone goes off into the night and um, Jack goes home. He has a wife and a child sleeping in the in Mona's house. He looks in on them and you can see the TV is still turned on, but with no sound. So you can see the, the 24 hour news cycle of this car chase. And you can see like him from the helicopter's point of view, making Tess safe and getting her in the, into the ambulance and stuff. So this news cycle is still going. Get some whiskey out, maybe chops up some lines of coke. So we yeah. start to see that he is just pretty awful. And then he puts the CD on, Mortal CD, and he puts his headphones yeah. on and he starts listening to it. And at the first, he, take, he goes to take a sip of whiskey and he kind of pauses at his mouth as he listens to this music. And then over that track, we have a montage. So we see Tyrone uh, maybe injuring himself, like maybe shooting himself in the, in the shoulder or doing something so that when he goes to Fitz's, you know, for help or, or like, I've, I just about escaped. Like, I'm one of you guys. They were shooting me as much as you, that kind of a bag. Yep. And he's taking, he's accepted in because Axe is there. And then they're like, reconciling, it's okay, he's with me, that kind of thing. And then we also get flashes of the intense firefly and Davy getting shot and Mortal and Tess escaping. And we cut to like Mortal in uh, the county jail, wherever he is, getting laid into by cops because he's now labeled as a cop killer. Tess is in surgery. Axe is getting treated quite well by Fitz and Pokey for saving them. They're still together. Like the, the truce is kind of still on. They've just gone to a safe house rather than the separate ways. Yep. And it's all cutting back to Jack in his living room with the with the whiskey, listening to this music, and he's getting more and more into it. Like this is almost like a sign from God to him immediately. Like, what the fuck is this? This is amazing. This is unbelievable music. So that's kind of the end of the opening montage of what's just happened. Okay, okay. So Jack uh, then collects Tess himself from the hospital and she's harassed by the media because kind of a celebrity arrest, right? Yeah. And she's kind of doesn't want to see anyone. She's still in the gurney. She's heavily pregnant. And Jack takes her to a safe house and says that she's going to stay there until there's a trial for, for mortal. And she says, you know, we're innocent and everyone is innocent. It's all been a big mistake. And he says that Tess is going to stay in this this hospital, this safe house hospital, uh, in, almost indefinitely until, until, he trial, so. yeah, yeah. until you get birth, to give birth because that's around the corner. But it's safe, it's secure. You're going to be okay. And of course, you know, I'll, I'll be here. I'll come and check in on Whatever you. Whatever you need. Whatever you need. And she said, you know, everyone's innocent. And I, be- I believe you and we're going to get to the bottom of it. Don't worry, you'll be safe here. Fits in the safe house with the gang leaders, he privately asks Axe and Tyrone to find out who set everything up. How did it come to this? And also to keep an eye out on Pokey because it's too coincidental that when this big consolidation happened, a load of bent cops came in and tried to kill us all, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, Sounded yeah. like it, it was trying to take out the competition, um, which is fine because I'm definitely planning to take out the competition myself. I just <laughs> ra- I would just rather know. Yeah, I just want to head off on this, man, yeah. So he is now like, Doubly in deep. He's an informant and he's also being an informant to the informant. So he's now psychologically under a lot of strain. And Axe already is starting to kind of embrace the gangster lifestyle a little bit too much. And he's loving the women and the drink and the drugs. He's already kind of... So that night, 
while that's going on, while Fitz has tasked Axe and Tyrone to find out what's going on, Jack is out at night. He's one of those cops where can't really stay home. He's always out. He on doesn't the want to. That's he doesn't not... want to be like. He needs to be out on the streets. He needs to be making moves. He needs to be. Like, he's a creature of the night. So Jack's back out um, at night in his car. And he's drinking quite heavily, and he's but he's still listening to the CD on repeat. He's just hooked. He does a bump and he restarts the CD. He takes more cocaine, and we pan across from the car to reveal that he's at a suburban house with police tape over it. And then he gets, he goes out the car and he um, goes to the, the boot or the trunk, I should say. Yeah. And from the from the trunk, he, he gets a bag and he sneaks into the house. He kind of cuts the, the tape yeah, and yeah, under the tape yeah. and picks Jimmy's the lock and gets into the house. And inside the house, uh, he stashes the bag. And obviously for the audience at home, no one would ever do that do this in real life. He unzips the bag to show the contents. <laughs> no, that's one last look. It's a lot of yeah. money. He loves and money. And it's filled with uncut and coke and, and guns and stuff that he's probably like, either stashed from busts gone by, like oh, it's, up it's, this kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Always it's, mixed from it's his little setup bag, man. He's got loads yes, of stuff. Like bag. he carries a gun in his ankle, he's got a setup bag or a yeah, couple got a, just yeah. in case. So he puts this, he stashes the setup bag in this suburban house and he leaves. And then we cut to the county jail, maybe a next day or two days later. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really matter. And Mortal is in jail, obviously, and he has a visitor, and it's Jack. Jack's kind of got the upper hand, and he like, he assures Mortal that Tess is okay. Oh no, he'll make he'll make an emphatic point of mentioning Tess as much as he can, and how yes, okay she is. Exactly. Yeah. Tess is all right. Do you remember she really loves those donuts that we get on the corner? Yeah, yeah, that kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been taking to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, so he's like really kind of riding him and. Mortals let you stay away from my, my family. You put me here. And and Jack said, I'm a cop. I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. I'm trying to help everybody out. And yeah, I'm Tess the good is, guy here. I'm oh, the good man, guy. I'm here to help Tess you. Tess is, yeah. Tess is uh, help you and well Tess. looked after. Yeah. And you're going to be a father soon. And I'm going to be there to make sure that everything's going to be okay for you. And he, I, I got you. And can I just ask you something? The music, and then Jack kind of switches into like super fan territory. <laughs> like he just starts asking uh, mortals, expecting him to ask about the drug burst or what happened. His connections the and pokey and whatever. Yeah. And Jack just kind of switches the conversation to ask about the music, his influences, his recording style, how it came about. And mortals like, what the fuck is going on? Can you? Just... But Jack keeps pressing him. I want to know. I want to know about this this art of yours, and maybe quoting back some lyrics and and like misrepresenting them. Like yeah, like when you said X Y Z, were you? It's obviously a reference to track four when you said like at least just like misunderstanding it. But and he'll take he'll take like one of the songs and he'll apply it completely to the situation of like the uh, their first meeting, and he'll think that there's like a kismet yes. involved, yeah, yeah. and he's like, that's you, and that's me, and this is the big event that that's happens. Me. This you, is this is destiny. I saw myself in that song, and he says. Um, um, obviously, Mortal tells him to go fuck himself, and Jack says, "You know, I'm going to look after Tess forever. You don't have to worry about that." But and then Mortal uh, just starts busting into a freestyle flow, just starts rapping at him, and he starts into a flow about what happened and about Jack and the cops in general and everything that's going on. And at the start, Jack is like mesmerized. Private concert. Oh my god, yeah. this is unbelievable. 
But we see kind of a shift in his eyes as Mortal's lyrics get really, really personal, really true, really amazing flow, really getting... Because, like, he's, like, Mortal spotted some coke around the nostril. He's picking up on all of these little ticks and bloodshot eyes and everything, man. He can strip Jack down to the bone. He knows exactly how to do it. <laughs> really clever and funny when he gets right into it. And, obviously, Jack gets really fucking frustrated. And uh, he leaves the phone off the hook as... Mortal's flow is getting bigger and bigger and he just kind of smiles and backs away. Maybe, like, I don't know, shows a picture of Tess. Yeah, it's like, I'll take good care of her. It's that last thing, man, reminding where the power lies for now. Yep. Yeah, so Jack leaves in that kind of handoff mid-flow for Mortal, which kind of switches him a little bit and he gets really rageful and starts banging on the glass because Jack does have the upper hand in this case. So then we cut to Davy's funeral, the partner who was killed in yep. the, the shootout. The TV are there because obviously it's still an ongoing news stories. Um, and Jack is interviewed before the uh, before the funeral. He's interviewed by news crews. Yeah. And he comes across as like being really vulnerable but nice and a family man. Like I was just doing my duty. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a father myself. And when I saw this woman, I just had to protect her because we need to protect the children, the children of the future, all this kind I of I want to see him like, let's like, we, we, I want to really up the repugnancy of Jack. So when this happens, it's like almost a different, completely different actor doing yes. it almost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he's a really nice, vulnerable family man. Yeah, he's welling up and like he goes to like dab his eyes and his arm around his wife and his, his hand on his, his little kid's head or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And obviously that makes a huge news splash, like hero cop. It's now hero cop. So, yeah, it becomes a huge, <laughs> big news splash, you know. Um, and after the funeral, Jack goes to the car and, of course, he listens to the CD. But during the, the funeral, and while he's listening to the CD in the car, maybe taking a bump of cocaine off his keys or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. This is cross-cut <laughs> with a raid on that suburban house. His frame bag was dropped. And obviously, as the cops are busting in, we then see more details of the house because it's in daytime and we see pictures of Mortal and, and Tess. So now yeah. there's evidence. They found evidence for Mortal. So it's, now it's time for the trial. So at the trial, um, you know, Jack takes some pills to level himself out in the bathroom outside the house. <laughs> or thinks he does, up. man, but I want him, like, I, red yeah. rim eyes and tire skew and goodness yeah, knows. Yeah, like eyedroppers yeah. and everything. <laughs> <laughs> Clearing out the nostri- each nostril yeah. before he goes in, man, yeah. So he's levelled out. He, um, Jack and his crew testify and Mortal is now set down for a 10-year stretch. Yeah, Jack is honoured. So we get we're going to get an end of a... Axe montage, as soon as that gavel comes down, 10 years taking away and the orange jumpsuit is let out, we'll get an end of Axe montage, maybe with a song from Mortals. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which will like, cross a little bit of time, this montage, just to speed things up a bit. So you'll see Jack being honoured in his, you know, his navies, Tess giving birth, Tyrone framing Pokey's crew. So we'd have a, maybe a huge gangland fight and a shootout where Fitz now sees, seizes control of everything. And Tyrone has wormed his way out and he now becomes the right-hand man of Fitz. And obviously Axe is very jealous about this because he brought Ty- he brought them both, Tyrone and Axe, into the fold of Fitz. Saved his life during the shootout, but hasn't had any action other than all the blown and women he could heart desire. Yeah. But Fitz doesn't trust him for anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ty- yeah. Tyrone has proved himself by doing this. So he'd have this big shootout montage. Um, and also it would cut to Jack being given carte blanche to assemble a crew, like his own hit squad uh-huh. to go to town. The war on drugs in LA is going to be fought and won 
by Team Spinowski. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So Jack's got his training day, the shield type, yeah. type crew. Yeah, yeah, his crew of rogues, man. And then obviously we'll see Mortal in prison, like begin taken into prison and it's just fucking horrible. He's, I put the first few days, he like sees people getting murdered and, and beaten up and he's just got no one. It's a really alone and afraid, a really terrifying time for him. And you didn't intercut the end of Axe montage of that happening with Jack and his crew, his training day crew, now going out and having the time of their lives. They're doing their own busts, their own race, checking in like 10% of the evidence. You know, they're doing, they're having coke-fueled sex parties. Uh, I want money-counting machines, flipping money. money Money-counting machines, Loads of money as they're sat around it, that kind of a thing, man. Yeah, they're having their time of their life. Like Jack now has become almost like a licensed gangster. So that's end of act one. It's okay. Quite happened. That is, we've packed in a lot, man. Okay. All right. Into act two. So we're going to maybe jump forward a little bit of time. That's fine. Prison. That's prison movies. This yeah. happens. So now we're going to be, it's going to be more, a bit more prison focused now. We're going to switch our focus from Jack a bit. So Mortal's in prison and obviously it's a really, really dangerous place, but his reputation as an artist has provided some sort of protection. Um, and he's made a friend, like a wise guy called Opie. And they, they bond. I imagine Opie to be kind of uh, a vest wearing, a sweaty wet vest wearing, like really scrawny dude, mm-hmm. strung out, sweaty, kind of <laughs> knows everybody. Everybody tolerates him. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He, doesn't, he doesn't really harm anyone. He's annoying to everybody, but not enough for him to make any enemies, really. Yeah. And there's also, he's a fixer. He can get things in. Opie loves his music and they, they do have a genuine bond and it's not a creepy bond like he has with Jack, like that kind of fan artist is actually a nice guy. He just really likes his music. And Opie smuggles in just for free. No, for no, not for um, cigarettes or anything like that. Just for music. He smuggles in a little mini tape recorder for Mortal. <laughs> and Mortal starts making little mixtapes and they start getting smuggled out. And Mortal's still trying to make his music, still trying to kind of get his artistry out there. And the brother, Axe, has been visiting Mortal. And Axe has been smuggling out these illegal contraband mixtapes. And he's been releasing the tapes through the label that he and Tess were originally going to set up. This has got this little underground label. And the tapes are really blowing up. And he, uh, Axe is releasing the tapes and he's saying, you know, the, all, all the proceeds are going to, going to Tess and your kid. But that's all just a big fucking lie. Oh, come on, Axe. All the money that's been made has been going to fits they're using the record label as a massive front front they're, they're, yeah, getting, they're getting mate. some acts in there then they're talking about some they're making some really horrible music with really horrible themes and horrible production but really it's just a front this record label is just a front to siphon uh, drugs and guns and whatever other stuff yeah, into the yeah, community. Yeah. and this is how acts gets a little bit of footing back with fits he's been kind of doing this this revenue stream, I guess, because obviously he's got direct access to yep. this, ama- this amazing talent of, of mortal. And fortunately for Tess, she doesn't want to have anything to do with this anyway. She doesn't know that's going on. She hasn't, she's out of the life. And she is cordial when she meets Axe and Tyrone. Like they might have regular meetups and they try to give her money. And she's like, no, yeah, yeah, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want anything to do. I don't, I don't want a single dime that's come this way. But of course, while they do that, whenever they have these meetings across the street in a car, is a really strung out Jack just kind of <laughs> spying on them, trying to get some kind of thing. 
Um, but he's still got this obsession with mortal. And he's still got this obsession with this, this music. And he's hungry for these bootlegs. So he's finding them whenever he can, any kind of material that is coming out. He needs these tapes. Right, this is where... So, the, yeah, because we're still... Sorry, because we're... Forgive me, man. We're still in the 90s as well. So I'm just thinking about how this music's disseminated and how it's shared. So we got maybe a little bit playing on, like, pirate radio stations and stuff like that, potentially, if the tapes ever get there. But the tapes are literally changing hands, man. So that can be... We can have Jack go on a little hunt for the physical tapes because yeah. that's, like, they yes. are hen's teeth kind of a thing. Yeah, and that's how yes. Rare okay, good, yeah. good shout, yeah. What's going to happen now is it might get a little bit shonky when in the middle of the second act... So we might need to do some development here. Okay, yeah, let's do it, man. Okay. Yeah. Tyrone is getting um, increasingly fraught, even though he's pretty high up in Fitz's his gang, he's still reporting into Jack, and he's getting pretty yeah, yeah. he's getting pretty fraught, fraught for being in so deep. Axe, the brother, is getting more and more paranoid about everything around him. He's doing the, the tape supply, and he's keeping the, the cash flow going with the record label, but he's just off his box on cocaine now. Mortal is in prison, and... His mixtapes are great and everything's fine, but it can only go so far. And there's a, maybe a new gang are, are taking power in prison and they corner him and they, they need him to do something for them. And if he doesn't do something for them, something very bad is going to happen. So we have, we'll have a tense scene where he's like, no, I don't do that. I just remember tapes. Yeah, I love your tapes, but I can still kill you. So you need to, you're, you're going to do something for because you've got to have a certain skill set that you need us. Oh, I need you to do this. So Jack is increasingly addicted to sourcing these hen teeth mortal tapes. And he meets Tyrone. He kind of shakes him and says, like, oh, you've got to get me the originals. The last ones you, you got me were fucking counterfeits. Like, and I want to see, I want to see the scene when he gets, he, he thinks he's got this brand new uh, slew of, uh, of, of tapes from mortal. And he presses play and it's just like the worst fucking hip hop or rap yeah, you've yeah. ever heard. And he just, he just like, he just takes his fist to yes, the stereo absolutely. man and demolishes it. That'd be yeah, amazing okay. when he's so yep. While this is going on, um, Axe in his cocaine fueled paranoia is like spying on them. He, he clocks them. He, maybe he tails Tyrone because he's jealous as well. And he wants some power. He wants to get back in with Fitz. Yeah. He wants to rise up. He's just doing this journeyman thing with the studio that's not really progressing him. He's just been seen as a, a money counter. He wants more power. He cut to Tess, bless her. And uh, she's by the old studio, which is now the horrible front. And she's looking at it in the car and she's kind of imagining what it could have been. And she's seeing the degradation of the area and she's seeing everything. And so she has an idea and she drives to, or she goes to like a, a volunteer, like a community centre volunteer, that's like an outreach programme. And she just, she says, I, I'm working five jobs, I've got, a, I've got a kid, but I'll volunteer, I'll give you every hour I can give you if you can just... Let me work with you. Let me get some experience. Let me help. Because she used to be a manager. She knows about stuff. She's really, really, really smart, switched on woman. And she wants to care. She originally had this business plan for this outreach thing that the label was going to do. So she's going to try and actually follow this dream now. She's hit rock bottom and she's seen everything around her and she can make a positive change. Cut to the prison. Mortal has to act on the orders of that that gang and said you either do this yeah and what he needs to do is create a distraction so that someone in the prison can get shanked um so mortal has to like set up a riot of some kind or right you dude i can see it. we're in the we're in the mess hall or whatever you have mm -hmm. in prisons damn i should have taken some notes from your lexicon canteen. Of prison. there we go canteen 100 percent 
Metal trays, all that kind of yep. jazz, man. Mortal out of nowhere gets on top of the table, starts hitting some of the best uh, yes. raps, some of the best songs he has ever done, and he just starts flowing, man. Yeah. And he he forgets that there's even going to be a shivering. Yes, it's that good. And this is like really into it. And he starts with like doing a roast to people. Yeah, yeah, dude. So he's up on a table. He and and, and it's, getting up. Even the guards are getting into it. Yeah? And this is like the first glimpse that we as an audience get, other than the audio recordings that Jack's obsessed with of him performing live, because yeah. we've been denied that ever since the raid, man. So let's let him shine. He, he has a glimpse back of what it used to be like. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then at the height of that, unfortunately, bang. Someone someone gets shanked, riot breaks out, the police come in, um, the guards come in and break it all up and the, the person who was supposed to be killed was killed. Yeah. And, of yeah. course, the person who was killed was Opie. Oh, come on, man. So Mortal is kind of broken at this point. This is like his last... That's, that's his only connect to like any while, kind of yeah. humanity, man. While he's down there, cut to... Jack going full shield with his team, trying to like get the tapes. They they're really going over the line. They're so off their bollocks on drugs, <laughs> and, and, and kind of, which has um, obviously started to pique the interest of internal affairs. So then Jack doesn't get the tapes okay. that he wanted. And I want to see, like, scenes of them breaking in and, like, piles of cocaine and he's just, like, moving out of the way to find tapes and stuff like that <laughs> yeah, while his yeah. crew are, like, cleaning up and being like, boss, we need the coke, man. Like, I that's what we're tapes. here for. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I think Jack might do something <laughs> way over the line now. So he might give up Tyrone. Like, set Tyrone up to be, like, you are no good to me. The tapes are in the wind. Um, I don't even think the tapes fucking exist anymore. Um you are done to me. I'll find them on my own way or whatever. So he, he, Jack gives up Tyrone and maybe he like gives him up to Axe or something. He arranges something so that Tyrone, the right-handed man, gets taken out by Axe, Fitz orders the death and it's very, very horrible. A proper kind of, it's a real horrible thing and obviously Jack has been way over the line before but this is a real kind of straight-up murder. Oh, yeah, he's sending someone to his death. Yeah, there's no other kind of ulterior motive. I need the evidence or I need this to, for this to happen. You just didn't give me my tapes. And we have seen him get more and more single-minded about this to the yeah. point he's ignoring evidence uh, that, that, that like would make him and his corrupt team money and stuff, man. So, yeah. like, Jack is gone. Right, as, as we're witnessing the burning or the uh, torture or the final seconds, uh, minutes of Tyrone, can we intercut that with um, Jack mm -hmm. cut loose from his moorings almost, mm -hmm. uh, topless in his room with one of uh, Mace's songs turned up doing like a horribly weird dance or something, man. Yeah. I want him completely shot to along with it. But yeah, like, just like, and trying with yes. it and like getting so into the music and lost as we are cutting to the horrible torture that he's caused, yeah. man. And we oh, just he's, 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 he's doing the rapping, but he's got like a really angry expression on his, on his face. He's really, he's dribbling and spitting. And Maybe he's getting like it wrong really... and it's like, it's all running into each other and he misses yeah. up the words. But he's... And he's stopping halfway through to take a line and down some... Um, and, and, and rewind, yeah. play again. Rewind, Maybe play again. A really bored sex worker there, or something like that. Oh, definitely sat in the corner smoking. Yeah, yeah. Like the TV's on, everything. But he's just so so into this in this horrible, grubby motel room. It's absolutely disgusting. And he's got like these horrible fake gold chains on. He's tried to dress under appropriate, and it's just horrible. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, so that's happening while Tyrone is being horribly, Aww. horribly murdered. 
Oh, yeah, maybe we'll have a levity scene. Maybe Tessa's working. <laughs> like best hand <laughs> after <laughs> someone getting burned to death. Yeah, let's brighten it up a bit, man. Cut to some laughter. Like, Tessa's still working. It's really hard and she's tired. She's still working jobs. But she's, you know, she's in this community centre and she's helping people. She's working. She, she's finding a sense of herself again. She's giving, ad, she's giving advice. She's seeing the results of it. Maybe, like, we could have a really cute scene where someone comes... And they're about to go to court and they come to the community reach and she's like, oh, come on, Dave. And she reaches in a drawer and pulls out a tie and does it up for him. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And little things like that, just trying to get people around her to um, think better for themselves and and get better. And she's building and building and building. Um, and then, emotional swings now, we cut back to Mortal in prison. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he's just... just yeah, he's lost AP by his own actions. He's completely... And he's used his music, and his music has killed his, like, his... Oh, dear man, okay. He's at the bottom. He thought he couldn't get any lower, but he, he mm-hmm. sure could. So he's broken down by his actions. He's super low. And in his darkest moments at night, he's in his... Maybe Obi was his cellmate, I don't know. Yeah. He gets, he gets the recorder, and without writing anything down, he just spits this song he just sings a song into the recorder and it's his absolute masterpiece it's a searing epic track covering his entire life everything that's happened to him and not only that but laying out bare everything he knows like giving up <laughs> everyone <laughs> everything giving up jack giving up fitz giving up tyrone that he suspects giving an axe that he knows what's going on he knows everything giving up the pit the gangs gangsters in the prison in a kind of mirror to the the roasting sing- song he did at the riot this is this beautiful absolute it's just burning bridges he knows that this is it everyone is under the bus so he basically he makes this song and he, he smuggles it out somewhere maybe op one of op's contacts gets it out it doesn't go through um tyrone or it doesn't go through yeah, yeah, or yeah. anything goes out and a proper bootleg he gets out into the wild tape gets leaked and what that does is spreads like wildfire obviously because it's an incredible song but it's so inflammatory and so revealing and revelatory that mortal knows this is going to happen and he knows that it's going to come back to him and he knows he wants it at this point i guess he wants it it's yeah and so of course in prison mortal gets killed oh jesus wept <laughs> yeah. dude i mean at least sugarcoat that <laughs> so in Sorry. prison mortal gets, mortal gets killed. Killed. <laughs> well no yeah because he's burned the bridges man he and he was i guess he was kind of taking himself out by releasing that as well like it was yeah, kind of a he was taking it was kind of um, last ditch yeah it's it died by suicide of with via his arts he, what happened with using his music to get someone else like opie killed and maybe he feels the cowardice he felt by taking that option. There is no way back from it, even though there probably would be a way back from him. You could get re- rehab and get out of prison. He's so lost in this place now. How do you come back? Yeah, but how do you, yeah, how do you realise that when you're in the position he's in, man? Yeah. Yeah. So he, he does, unfortunately, die in prison. So out in the real world... Um, Tess has been denied many times for applications for funding for an art centre or a rehab centre and she can't get the access that she needs to. But she knows someone who might be able to get her access. Someone who uh, has always been checking in on her and being around. (laughs) So Tess Tess goes and meets Jack and says, um, 
can you help me? I want to do this thing for the kid. I want to set up this center. Can you get, arrange a meeting with Alderman, which we found out a few weeks ago what they we did. did. Yeah. <laughs> we did, yes. We can have the same one. We can do like a, like a little yes. film cameo. It's a connected man. universe. Yeah. <laughs> it's the Alpha Reader connected <laughs> universe. Um, and she says, like, can you get me a meeting? Can you get me some help? Because I want to do this. And Jack's like, wow, I can do that. Let me make some calls. <laughs> he, he, he makes some calls. Tess, uh, honey. For you, Honey, for you, <laughs> of course. Anything. Yeah. So Tess goes to goes to have this meeting that Jack set up for the afternoon or the next day, and um, meanwhile, I don't know. Maybe the IA are coming after Jack. We've forgotten about them. We need to. Well, I was going to say, like, did mortal uh, did mortal tattletale on? Did he have anything on Jack he could tattletale about in that music? Yeah, that the, the whole, kid everything's, the, everything's, So then everything's in the same. We'll have them come into possession of it at some point. Is that going to be the comeuppance of Jack? Yeah, or? that's going to be part. That's going to be part of it. So Des goes to this meeting. Um, we can probably intercut this and move these seats around. But the upshot is, she has this meeting. She gets her funding, but she gets her funding by giving up. She says, "I." I can give you the information on Jack. I can give you the information on anyone. I have it. Not only in this tape, in this song, but I have reams of information of all the dealings that everyone's done. So they kind of do a deal with her. They give her, because she wants the funding, but she wants it clean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not in anyone's pocket after this because I've spent the last two years or whatever, or three years, however long it's been in that position. Yeah. She gets her funding for a community centre, which also offers, like, free legal advice um, for underprivileged people. She, they get... There's a recording studio where they can come in cheaply, really cheaply, to record their, their tracks and try and get out of whatever it is that they're in or whatever it is they might fall into. And obviously, Jack hears the tape because it's out in the wild. He finally gets his hen-tooth tape, and, and it's got everything on there. And maybe the, there's um, a cutting of the rope ceremony and Jack has heard this tape which spills the guts on everything. Maybe at that point when he's realising what this tape what is out there is saying, we hear the sirens of the IA coming to arrest him. And then he's just like, it's over. So he kind of shoots his way out or something like that. And I was thinking that he's kind of, he might go to this ribbon ceremony and try to shoot Tess or do something to kind of take them out because he's so lost. But obviously he gets... Um, he gets arrested and it will end with Jack going into maximum security prison and everyone in there is the same prison that mortal went to who has now become immortal in that mm-hmm. prison. Yeah. And he's in the prison. He's like, oh, fuck, everyone here. I'm a cop for a start. I'm not going to survive long. And people are coming up to him and they're saying, don't worry, you're not going to die. No one's going to kill you in here. We want to keep you alive. And you can see the guards might turn their back on him as well because he's super bent. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he knows that his future is gonna he's gonna get beaten half to death every day for the rest of his life, and he's never gonna come out of it. And like as he's lying in his cell, uh, as as the realization of this sets in, man, we hear like the chant from the other prisoners of the rap that was on the tape mm-hmm. that got Jack in there mm-hmm. in the first place that they know beat by beat and word and for word. And he's kind of... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if we went horror at the end, he could, like, shank his own ears. <laughs> yeah, he's got, like, two toothbrush shanks. Toothbrush, yeah. And then... And then it'll end with him, and then he could, the, as it fades to black, we could hear him screaming, I can still hear! <laughs> <laughs> okay, Stephen King horror territory. Yeah, come to the I outer limits. Ba, 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 yeah. ba, ba. <laughs> Theme tune. <laughs> 
So, yeah. So, that is Sugar my lumps. Uh, strong start, weak finish pitch for mortal in the gangster genre. That was great, man. That was that was hard. Uh, that was hard for me to... Uh, I just... I love Jack, man. I love a scuzzy cop. It was hard for me yes. to stop getting so yeah. excited about Jack throughout that entire uh, entire pitch, man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, was, that was fantastic. You, you gave me gangsters, boy, oh, boy. But you also gave me, like, that... Uh, the humour in Jack using an entire strike team to try and find bootleg tapes and stuff. Man, I just love that idea that they're just rampaging around LA looking for tapes. (laughs) So, yeah, that's great. Yeah, but it's brilliant. And that obsession, that's what I want. I want to see that displayed on screen. So that's cracking, man. Dude, thank you so much for that. uh, That that was really good. I enjoyed that a lot. And, uh, yeah, again, a lot of visuals for the mindset of all that, man. Mm. So I really appreciate it, dude. Oh, you're, you're welcome. Casting, what do you got? Well... Like I cannot shake, and I haven't been able to shake since you brought wonderful Jack into my mind, uh, and that's Paul Giamatti, <laughs> mate. I want to see Paul Giamatti. I want him topless dancing. Oh, yes. I want him bug-eyed, cocainey, sweaty, charming, lovely, slimy, all of the things, man. Yes. Yeah, yellow sweat stains kind of, on everything. Yeah. And I can imagine he would look so great when he's buying all these clothes, appropriating these kind of gangster clothes to fit in part of his team. Oh, it'd be hilarious. Yeah. So um, Paul G. Matthews. Yeah, a that's, that's all I've got. For, uh, that, and that, that, I think that's uh, everything so far, man. I had I had an idea when I was writing it. I had an idea um, originally for Jack that it was inspired more, uh, the cop like right out there, way out west, strung out, operating on their own. And... A lot of the inspiration was Nicole Kidman in Destroy. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was thinking it might be interesting if Jack was played by a female actor. I was thinking Elizabeth Debicki would be quite good. Someone who's, I could imagine, I could, she's quite young. I could imagine that the, maybe she's quite, we could retrofit it so that Jack's maybe quite a good cop at the start, not quite. The monster we that, first meet, yeah. Uh, with all due respect to Mr. Giamatti, when one looks at Mr. Mm. Giamatti, one could guess he might be an unhinged policeman or something. It would be nice to see <laughs> yeah, maybe a uh, a yeah. steadier decline um, or a more measured yeah. decline from someone who my was slightly dream, less expected. My dream role, though, other than the two I've mentioned, I would really like it to go to Kerry Russell. Ah, okay, yeah. If we were going to go down female actor for Jack, yeah. I think Kerry Russell would be absolutely perfect. She's got all the range in the world. She's tough as boots, so I can imagine her doing the the raids and all the action scenes that it requires. Yeah. I can imagine her being incredibly strung out. I can imagine her being really manic and she'd be quite scary. Yeah. Genuinely, I can absolutely see that. There's a she's quite scary in some scenes of The Americans, which is the TV show that she's from, and well, she many things she's from. She's got some quite scary, hairy moments, but she's also really steely. No, dude, steely is exactly it. Yeah, yeah, flipping oath, yeah. That's if I was going to go for um, a female actor. Male actor, I mean, it's difficult to get past Paul Giamatti now, isn't it? What about uh, young mortal? Do you have any ideas for mortal? I was thinking Riz Ahmed would be really cool. He would be fantastic. And has uh, actual life skills at rapping and hip-hop. I think uh, maybe Yaha Abdul-Mateen II. Okay, yeah, yeah. Would be really good. Black Black Manta, he was uh, the... Morpheus Stroke, Agent Smith, and Matrix Resurrection. Yes, of course, of course. Lest we forget that uh, that particular one. I like uh, like Damson Idris, but he's kind of done um, that kind of an art with Snowfall, the TV show previously, which is really fantastic. He's like 
strong sauce he brings. He was also in a couple of uh, he was in an episode of Black Mirror as well, um, and he has he is fantastic at showing that change in character from someone very sweet and innocent into something completely corrupt. Uh, he's very good at making that transition as an actor, man. So that would be tempting. I'd be up for that. Have you got... that? Uh, Davey isn't in it much, but I'd just like a Scoop McNary for Davey if we could, because he'd be a great sleazy little cop. I wa- yes, I want Scoop McNary in everything. So yeah. That's it, just because we can put him in, because we should, because it's Scoop, man. I want Scoop McNary in the car outside, but about before the bust happens, really nonchalant about what's going on, very sketchy with other people at the details, what's going on. I'll get Paige, we'll go in. And he's like just casually munching on a burrito or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And there's some corn in his moustache. Oh, speaking of Scoot McNary, which has led me on to Killing Them Softly, what about Ben Mendelsohn as Jack? Oh, <laughs> oh God, he's almost too dirty. He would take that to his <laughs> most wonderful, horrific extremes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm immediately thinking of the on-heroin scene from Killing Them Softly, oh, which is just one it's of the grimmest things in all of the world, man. Well, that does sort of spring because I was thinking of Andrew Dominic for the director for this movie as well because okay. of the fan obsession that we've seen in Jesse James, um, because yep. of the links with Killing Them Softly in the underground and things like that. I was thinking that he might uh, he might well handle something like this, man. He might. That, and he's also one of my favourite directors. Far effing out. So that was mortal, I guess, coming to the end now, right? I guess there's only one thing left to do. Pick some horses, I guess, and things for next week, haven't we? I think we have. Because we can't do an alternate pitch because we've done that. (laughs) (laughs) The entire show. All the way through it. All right. um, I've picked out a race. If you want to go to sunny Doncaster. I would absolutely love to go to Donny. Okay. This one's on the 3rd of June. It's the 5.40. Okay. A good time, if ever there was for a it's horse a race. Uh, it's a lovely time, isn't and it? And hopefully these nice horses will run. Um, we'll see. But if not, I wish them a merry graze in lieu of running. We hope they do run. I'm sure they will run and run mightily and beautifully all the way to the end of the race and finish in a line. So do you have, um, if I may push you for a uh, pick from that list, um, do you have anything for me, sir? Okay, yeah, I'm going to give you... She's the danger. She's the danger. Is she indeed? Okay. Okay. She's the danger. All right, then. I I thank you for that. And in return, I'm going to give you... uh, I'm going to give you Madame Fenella. Mm, no, I don't want it. She's another. Okay, I'm going to give you Madame Fenella. Oh, Madame Fenella. <laughs> oh, sir, you should have said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she sounds. Uh, she sounds like I want to hear what she's up to uh, next week. Okay, Madame Fenella, and we're not doing genres. We're just doing straight Back to the, anything we want. Yep. Back to the format. Whatever tickles our fancies, you are going to get two uh, completely different pitches for two completely different horse names uh, next week uh, as normal. And we look very forward to uh, chatting to you guys there and projecting a couple of things onto your mind cinemas, hopefully. Yes, we do. It's been wonderful. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And thank everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, guys. Uh, Hit us up in some comments or whatnot and uh, let us know what you think of everything. Put some ideas in. Let us know. And uh, until we see you next week, I hope you guys uh, take it very easy, uh, stay very happy, and we look very forward to doing this again next week. Well, 
There we have it. Another episode of Racehorse Movies is over. We both hope you had as much fun listening as we did coming up with these films and recording our pitches. If you enjoyed this, please share it around with your friends and loved ones. If it wasn't your thing, I don't know, maybe share it with someone you miffed with. Who knows? If it's not for them either, maybe you two can build some bridges over that connection. But if you did like picking up what we put down and you fancy checking out some more content from us, then head over to theneverpress.com to take a gander at our novels, poetry and other bits and bobs. Anyway, that's about enough from us. Hope to have you back next time for some friendly chats and barely thought through pitches at Racehorse Movies. Ta-ta! Ta-ta!